We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Apparently. Mixing my M- my MCT oil into my morning coffee. Right what is MCT oil? Uh, it's a, a fatty amino acid, uh, okay. brain fu- big time brain function stuff. Um, Sounds great. Ap- appetite, good for appetite. So you're not just like, I have an issue of just wanting to eat all day. Um, it's not an appetite suppressant. But yeah, it's like my life. So it's supposed to um, it's supposed to let your body know when when it needs stuff. But I'm sick. It tastes like it tastes like nothing, and it gives you a little energy zip too. So, goes in right n- nicely with the uh, with the morning espresso. I yeah, I've been recording for the last like forty seconds. I feel like I yeah. should keep that in. You're just gonna put that in. <laughs> right. Maybe, yeah, probably will keep that. In, but. Clanging of uh, clanging of my fridge and rattling of ice cubes. What we got? Episode one seventy. I think we did one sixty five. One sixty five. Not even close. Sixty five. Sixty five. All right. Well, there's a little peek into my brain. And with that, we say hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 165, or so I am told, Matt Rooney alongside Joe Musso, uh, speaking in the third person early this morning, because as you just heard, haven't had a sip of coffee yet, but uh, here we go, so two seconds. And, I feel like uh, I have to cut out that part now. No, that that's good disgusting. stuff. That, those that's sounds stuff. Were, were strange. And you know, that works perfectly in, in, into this situation, because that's a sips tea moment, I think mm. as the kids say, mm-hmm. uh, breaking. News, the Kermit, just Kermit about, tea frog. Yes, the Kermit tea meme, uh, if you will. Uh, breaking news just about 45 minutes ago prior to recording this. Finally, we get thrown a bone. Usually, it's uh, the news comes out about 45 minutes after we're done recording. But Jim Boylan, out as head coach of the Chicago Bulls, the team has announced um, the timing of it. Everything that you're, that you're seeing on Twitter, all the reaction to it seems to be in lockstep that this was coming. But in weeks prior, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, the ownership, kind of balked at the idea because of the quote-unquote financials of the situation surrounding COVID. Um, but they do pull the trigger. They do fire Jim Boylan, and the search begins. Matt, your initial reaction to Jim Boylan being out as head coach of the Chicago Bulls? Honestly, the first thing I thought of was, good, we didn't record the podcast yesterday. That was, mm-hmm. that was uh, Secondly, it was like, wow, <laughs> this is this is because of me, because we were supposed to record the podcast yesterday. And I said maybe we should hold off to get the Blackhawks result in here. Little did I know we were also going to get the Jim Boylan result in there, so shout out mm-hmm. me. Third, uh, now to the real analysis, uh, I know it seemed like it might not be inevitable, but this always had to be inevitable, especially when your two franchise cornerstone players, quote-unquote, and Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen, just absolutely hated playing for the guy. By far by far the most important part of this whole thing to me is that what you just said right there. Is Those two guys are happy now. Your stars, maybe they're not thrilled. Maybe they, maybe they don't necessarily, they're not jumping for joy about having to get to get to know a head coach, but the relationship was broken between the two guys that you're trying to build around, the two guys that are going to be huge pieces, hopefully, moving forward for the Chicago Bulls. Didn't want to play for this coach, um, and if he was to be there for another year, it was going to fracture that relationship between not just the coach and the players, but the franchise and the players. They're going to want out. It's the NBA. There's greener pastures at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, to me, is the biggest thing here, is your two stars are going to get a new lease on life with a new head coach. Yeah, and I think that's all you're looking forward to. And now I'm, I'm interested to see where you know the search begins because that's something that 
I'm sure if it hasn't already been at least somewhat underway the last couple of weeks, it's, it's probably getting underway pretty quickly. Are they going to go the assistant route? It's going to be, you know, someone still coaching right now. Um, I know Adrian Griffin was the name thrown out there. Yep. The, the Sixers assistant, Mike Echo or something like that. I, the names I, I completely that, forgot uh, his name. The name um, that Woj has thrown around right now, uh, he said, among many being considered, uh, top of the list is Denver assistant Wes Unseld, uh, Wes Unseld Jr., excuse me, who uh, AK obviously knows from his time in Denver, yes. former Brooklyn coach Kenny Atkinson, Toronto assistant Adrian Griffin, and Bucks assistant Darvin Ham. Okay. Those are the Dar- names that, Darvin uh, Ham is a great name. I, he's Darvin my leader Ham. in the clubhouse right now. Dar- I'm sure the uh, the copywriters uh, at all the papers are, are rooting for Darvin Ham. The, the, the trip in the Sun Times would be thrilled with. There's that. some pork references to be made there, but uh, I, I I think that the name that you said first is the name that kind of everyone's leaning towards. Or Adrian at least what Griffin. I'm reading Adrian Griffin from Toronto, championship medal there. Um, Masai Coached under and, one of the best coaches in the NBA yeah, the last couple of years. He's coached under one of the best coaches in the NBA, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse has been a part of a truly exceptional franchise that's been led by Masai Yurigi or Yurigi excuse me um, could just trip over, that, trip over that one all day but um, he he's coming from winning cloth is the point that I'm uh, trying to say here and I think that's paramount in bringing someone in the building who's not uh, who's not lost in a game plan sense outside of X's and O's who's someone who who already has the binder ready of what we need to do from day one of training camp to get to game seven of the NBA Finals. And I know that's a long-term goal and maybe not a year one goal, obviously, but just having the um, having the experience, having the uh, wherewithal, having the know-how of what it takes to put together that game plan. Because championships, it's cliche, but championships are won Outside of the of the ninety four feet on a basketball court, championships are won in the off season. Championships are won as we've talked through free agency. Championships are won in the air you can get in the building. How we always talk about here on the podcast. And if you can bring in a championship air, I think that is just a catalyst to this uh, to this rebuild, to this maturation, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I, I don't think that I could sit here and be unhappy with anyone mm-hmm. outside of them getting like. Stan Van Gundy or something. I don't know. You don't want Stan? I'm not. I'm, I'm just going to leave it right there. Okay, that's fair. No, I think what you were talking about, too, is, is him. You, the X's and O's are obviously incredibly important. He knows what it takes from, from that standpoint to get you, like you said, from game one to game seven of the NBA Finals. But also what you said before that, coming from a great organization, a, a now winning organization, a winning culture, and being you know a younger guy as well that can identify with the players, I think in today's NBA that's just so incredibly important. I mean, you look at Monty Williams and what he's doing in Arizona, or Phoenix, I guess, and he's a younger guy. He came from uh, he came from winning culture, coach with Pop, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and, and what he's kind of getting out of those guys being that having that mix of kind of being a younger player's coach, but also knowing what it takes to you know when to separate being the player's coach, being the hard guy, being the you know having the X's and O's capabilities. I think Adrian Griffin seems like the perfect fit. Hopefully they go that route, uh, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. That said, this is a great first step. It's a nice first step for the Bulls organization, uh, or I guess second step because hiring. A yeah, no, I, th- was I step think that this one. is. Um, I think so that this is two. well within it. No, this is this is four or five to me. I mean, you get rid of Gar. Uh, you tell Pax he's going to get a check, but um, I can see I counted know, those. We, we don't need your help. Those okay, Gar and Pax. Let's Pax say Gar and Pax is one. one, one. Um, AK being two. This is at, this is 
this is we're we're into it. We're into the process here, and and I say that because you have to give respect to the steps that have been taken prior to this because. In reworking a franchise in any sport, in any game, I think maybe the NBA is easiest or you can turn things around the quickest, the quickest. because because it's 15 players, it's a coach, it's a general manager, it's scouting. It's not as broad as, let's say, football in the NFL or uh, let's say baseball and all that goes into it. Not to discredit what has to be done here in Chicago, but I'm very optimistic in the time frame in which they're executing these moves. Now, when is the when do they do the NBA lottery? That's got to be coming up at some point soon, right? Or is, uh, they do that after yeah. the season? They do before. If the you season. give me, I know it's been it's been moved now. So give okay. me two seconds here. I'm this is the exact date because I'd be guessing otherwise. Thursday, August twentieth is Thursday, the lottery. Okay, so coming, coming up, up on us uh, in six days, a week from yesterday. That being Thursday, uh, it'll be Thursday the twentieth, I believe, is the date on it. So, and um, you, you know what pick the Bulls have the best chance of getting? What is that? The seventh for the fourth right. straight year. Well, that's that's just poetry in motion here. Um, it is not the deepest draft class, so I'm not no. going to be like. Not, don't let me say it's not the deepest draft class. There is not the top tier talent in this draft class. It might have some depth. It might have some value at pick number seven. So, I, so I think but, that would. I was be the, say, you know what? I think that makes me feel good is because look at the guy who's drafting for the Bulls now, and look at his last. You know, look at his track record drafting. You know. Late in the the lottery for the Nuggets, he he got uh-huh. uh, uh, he got Jamal Murray, right? He got uh, uh, Greg Harris, uh, who was it two years ago? He took the chance on Michael Porter Jr. when he fell into his lap. Mm-hmm. Like he he has this tendency, this this uh, knack for finding those not necessarily late in the in the fir- like late in the first round, but you know finding those guys mid to late lottery that can pan out. Yeah, I I think they have the right guy leading that charge if we're going to be picking seven again. Um, I think that we're we're in a good spot. Not not in the best spot, but in terms of the teams uh, not in the bubble right now, I think that the Bulls have the most to be excited about. Uh, that notwithstanding, a couple other franchises who are on the outside looking in, but um, no, the Warriors. It's just, do. yeah, I, that that's kind of the direction I was. Yeah, I know uh, what that, that's I what I was alluding to. That I they're was just, just not. They're not weird. a. They're not a bottom feeder team. They were. No. They were dealt every curveball that they could be dealt. But mm-hmm. the Bulls are in a position to hopefully be in the conversation with some of the top teams out east because the Eastern Conference, I think, as the bubble has proved, there are a lot of good teams. There really aren't many great teams. Mm-hmm. I'm still not convinced that the Milwaukee Bucks are these world beaters that everybody thinks that they are. We can get to this topic a little bit further in the show. I, I, I'm going to pose you a question here regarding the NBA playoffs, but my point being, the Eastern Conference right now is ripe for the taking. It, it, it is asking for someone to be the one seed, to be the two seed. I, I know Toronto doesn't get the respect, and Milwaukee's a really good basketball team, but beyond that, the Chicago Bulls can take this thing. And the conference is it. wide open. Yeah, it's wide I, I open. think that Especially and if Giannis think, isn't there in two, you know, in two summers. I think that the speed with which things change in the NBA is also very encouraging. It's just a great day to be a Bulls fan, and we haven't had many of those uh, in recent memory. With yeah, that, really I ask not. you this. With that, I ask you this, Matt. Is there a is there a story? Is there a moment in your time at NBC Sports Chicago where everyone in the newsroom just kind of looked at each other? Like, what's the what's going to be the lasting image of Jim Boylan in your head in your time? I don't know. There's there's too many. Uh, it's just it, it, working as many of those post game shows as I did. Mm-hmm. The amount of post game press conferences, you know, sitting in the control room, like watching him talk and some of the things he'd say, and just kind of looking at each other, like, what? 
Yeah. Or the, the the stretch where Kobe White was putting up, uh, he had like seven straight twenty five point games, and he's like Boylan still wouldn't start Kobe White. Just the general confusion, even from like you know guys like Mark Chernowski throughout, the just wanting to be respectful about it, but at the same time being like, what's what's going on here? It's this hard. Is, this yeah. isn't right. Like it, it's he just I don't know it, it, a lot of. I guess a lot of you know tilted headed looks and, and just what is going on over here. There there wasn't one moment that really stuck out. Just pretty much the entire tenure was one moment that really stuck out as as a big head tilt. Like, did you just say that? Um, I, I think that I think that the image to me at least is going to be, and I agree with your sentiment that it is too broad, maybe to put your thumb on, but. Um, there were some issues with practice timing. There were some things that the punch clock, uh, the punch clock. There was, there was the, I mean, clock management from an actual on court decision making some really bad timeouts to like stunt, uh, stunt any sort of momentum the bulls had. But the image that's going to last to me is when the fan called him a clown and he turned around and looked up at him. That's going to be the snapshot. Him, but yeah, yeah, but that was, to was, me, that was that was Chicago yelling from the stands. That yeah, wasn't one fair. man. That was the fan base. That was the voice of the fed city. Up. That was the voice of the city saying, hey, buddy, you're a freaking clown. And you know what a clown does? Turns around and looks up at the person that called him a clown. That's going to yeah, be the last thing I'm it's just, it's just <laughs> There's so many like bad moments and bad games and like what the hell, like just like what are you thinking type moments from his tenure in such a short amount of time that it's really hard to just pinpoint one, but that's that's a good one. And to be fair, it's like it's on the tail end of a very, very underwhelming Fred Hoiberg tenure. So it's been a minute here uh, for the Chicago Bulls. Hopefully we have something to be excited about. Hopefully we have a team that comes out of the gates hungry next season because next season is not far away. We are technically halfway through the offseason mm-hmm. right now. If the NBA, I mean, they haven't announced the schedule for next year yet, but conceivably you can't start much later than December 1. Um and realistically, we're not that far from December 1 right now. So mm-hmm. uh, Chicago Bulls basketball, ready your cannons. Here we go. Uh, a, a new age is upon us officially. Jim Boylan out as head coach. I just, I, I'm excited to get this coaching search going. Let's get it going. Let's get things moving. Let's get somebody hired. I know they can't yet, but still, I'm excited. Uh, Matt, let's uh, talk about the other uh, tenants at uh, West Madison and we, the Blackhawks. Was a tough uh, one. We, we do have to talk no, about it. No, I know we do. I, I stopped myself because we... Uh, there were a few Matt's hockey minutes earlier this year. Yeah, let the uh, dog out, Joe. Um, there were a few. That's okay. You got to let the dog out. They got to do, do their business. Got to do what you got to do. Um, there are lots, a lot of Matt's hockey minutes where you know I, we kind of ripped into the Blackhawks this year, and you, you said the talent wasn't there. Said they weren't playing well. Questioned the effort. Questioned question the you know um, strategy. All that type of stuff. Game one, they didn't play great. They looked a little bit tentative, and they looked like they no, but it wasn't. It didn't. It wasn't. A, it didn't feel like a four-one loss. Things got it out did. of hand late. They, they did, were in it. They, they were, were in it through forty minutes. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm as big of a Corey Crawford supporter as there is, and I know you like him too a lot. I think he's criminally underrated. Corey Crawford in Game One, there were two goals he quite frankly should have stopped, and it should have been, you know, it, it should have been a one-one game late. You know, one-one game midway through the third when Vegas took the, you know, scored their th- uh, fourth goal, whatever. Last night, I can't. I can't be mad at them because they played a pretty good game. Like they, yeah. they were right there. Granted, Vegas was down one of their uh, first line forwards in Max Pacioretty, but that still, that team is so deep that I don't think that makes that big of a difference. The Hawks played well. 
they played well enough to win that game. They they got late goals. They got some clutch goals. Uh, Kane's, the, Kane's pass to Strom, unbelievable. Is, if if unbelievable. the Hawks win that game, that goes down as you know one of their better you know plays in playoff hitting a playoff franchise history. Whatever that was, an unbelievable pass. Um, the only thing that you probably call them out before it seemed like midway through the third period they started playing for overtime a little bit instead of trying to go yes. and win the game. Uh, I don't think Corey Crawford had his A game last night. You and I were texting it a little bit. He started. It looked like it looked like first couple periods he was fighting the puck a little bit, and like you said, loosening his. Cream. Yeah, he, he just didn't have that. a sense of his. He was moving east. He was getting outside of his posts. Like not that I'm like I a think goalie. That not that I even could tell Corey Crawford anything about no, but stopping you're, you're, a puck. You're a but smart we see what we, you're, we you're, see. What we see. You're somewhat yeah. like me. I, I would say I'm a little bit. Uh, I've watched more than you saying probably talk about it a little bit better, but you're a lot like me. Like you know what you see, but hockey is a hard game to communicate what you're seeing. You know when something and, looks right, you know when something looks a little bit off. Corey Crawford, and that's why I look, come to you. That's why I come to you with those yeah. questions. When I see something, I text you like. Crow doesn't look his best right now. Is he is he moving a little loose here? Is he you know he's getting caught behind his net every once in a while going for pucks? Didn't look great. But to your point, Matt, there were moments in this game that could have you know made this thing one one very easily. Mm-hmm. Kaner even said at post game that they had opportunities in the third period if they could have come out of the dressing room like they did between the first and the second, yeah. they win that game. I mean, they I mean, played that, that second team, period. That like- team that jumped out on the ice the first ten minutes of the second period was. Unbelievable, and, and you actually saw beyond the mm-hmm. first line uh, some some offensive momentum, some some sort of um, semblance of a rush um, outside of that first line, and it, it gave you a little bit of hope there. But then you know they kind of regressed, and then that's really and and Pat Boyle said it last week on the pod is kind of where is the depth in scoring right now for the Chicago Blackhawks? Because once you get into those deeper lines. Mm-hmm. It's you're like you're just help. trying to hold your water to get that first line of breather to get them back out there to actually get some scoring chances again. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's what we've seen here. Vegas's couple uh, couple wins here. They have goals from their fourth liners, and that's kind of been the difference mostly. Um, the Hawks aren't as deep of a team as Vegas. They're not going to win this series. I would be very surprised if they won this series. But you watch the, these first two games. Vegas is absolutely the better team, but this Blackhawks team doesn't look out of place. They looked out of place at times throughout the regular season and, and in games with this very same Vegas team. They don't right now look like they're out of place. I think a lot of no. that has to do with the emergence of Kirby Doc as you know a true number two center and has kind of given them a little bit of, a little bit of that depth, but they lack that bottom six capabilities that Vegas really has. And yeah. I, I think the when the Hawks' top guys have been out there and they played like I understand trying to contain Vegas early, not letting them get on the board early, especially with how many goals they've let they let up to Edmonton. But the team that we saw come out of the gates in the second period, kind of playing loose, playing fast, like that. Those are the types of games the Blackhawks are going to win. They're not. I understand what they're trying to do a little bit, playing a little bit more of a defensive style, but. The way this Blackhawks team is built, they're built to win five four. They're not built to win three to two. They're, yeah. they're not built to win defensive struggles. Uh, you just kind of struck something with me there. I think that what we've seen out of the Blackhawks these last couple weeks is that they've raised their level substantially. Like it, the team has recognized that it's playoff time, it's mm-hmm. winner go home time, and that is a that is a foot set forth by the core leadership that's done this before, mm-hmm. and it's been impressive to see that. And raising your level was enough to get past Edmonton. 
You could raise your level as high as your ceiling is right now for the Blackhawks. It's just not enough to get past Vegas. They're just a better hockey team. And sometimes that is the case. Mm -hmm. So things have to change. Obviously, like you said, it's exciting to see the young um, stars. I mean, 19-year-olds getting the job done. It's really cool to see draft picks pan out right in front of your eyes. Sometimes it's just not enough. Uh, That's the case this year, at least it looks to be. Yeah, and I, I don't like, like I said, they're not going to win this series, but it would be nice to see them, you know, down 2-0 in the series, come out and play like they were down 2-0 headed into the second period, play a little bit loose, play fast, take some chances and kind of see what happens. Robin Leonard's playing well, but I think you saw last night he is a little bit gettable. There were a few rebounds even that the Hawks mm-hmm. couldn't capitalize on. He's a very good goalie. He's not a great goalie. Um, go out, play fast, see what happens. And if, if you end up losing 6-5, to five, you end up losing 6-5. to five. I don't think anybody here is going to be all that critical of you. Um, just use these last couple games to figure out what you got and who you got below, you know, obviously your core guys and use this as a step going forward because now you have a young core that's technically quote unquote won a playoff series. If you want to call it mm-hmm. a playoff series, they have playoff experience. They're going to have some cap issues this off season, but we'll get to those later. Um, but largely what you see on the ice is what you're going to get next year. And you're going to need these guys to all kind of take the next step. Yeah, uh, important moments for the Blackhawks, like you said, regardless of if they can get out of this series with Vegas, which it does not appear is going to be the case. But uh, it's the most Blackhawks hockey that I've watched this season. I mean, I've I've watched Mm -hmm. almost every second of every game here over the last couple weeks here between Edmonton and Vegas series. And the... I guess the conversations we've had about this team throughout the season... As opposed to what I'm seeing now, I'm, I'm very encouraged by the steps they've taken in a short amount of time as well. I think the one, now that I, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said, I, I think the one issue I do have with last night, I don't know whose call, if it was Jeremy Collins, if it was Stan Bowman's, to uh, swap in Lucas Carlson for Adam Boakfast. Adam Boakfast is their 20-year-old first-round pick from two years ago that, quite frankly, is up playing a year earlier than he should be. Yeah. Uh, largely because I believe John McDonough p- pushed pretty hard for it when the Hawks were slumping just to get him up. He is he, he has not had that great of a playoffs, which I think you'd kind of expect. He's billed as big offensive defenseman. Um, he's He plays you know a, a fast, pushing-the-puck t- kind of game. He struggles in his own zone. Obviously, he's done that a little bit more come playoff time because playoff hockey becomes a little more of a defensive game. I don't get taking him out of the lineup because the Hawks, Stan Bowman even kind of admitted at the beginning of the playoffs, like this is much more of a, this is, they're happy to be here. They want to win games, but they also realize this is a development time. I don't understand taking out your first round draft pick who's 20 years old and pretty much free playoff games, giving him free playoff game experience to have him sit and watch from the press box. I hope that's not the last we've seen of him from the series because I think this, especially a team like Vegas, can be very valuable learning experience even if he gets beat a little bit. Like, hey, this is where you need to be. This is what you need to do. Um, I don't really understand So let's pick at at that scab for a moment. Whoever's decision it may be, we just got done talking about the coaching situation with the Chicago Bulls. Is, Is there any indication that, the Blackhawks will try and give themselves a shot in the arm with a shakeup. I mean, at the end of the bench there. I mean, you know, Danny we, Wirtz been, has done. We've a, been critical of of Jeremy Conlaton. Colleton, excuse Colleton, me, in the past. Go. Yeah, I was throwing extra N in there. We've been very critical of Jeremy Colleton in there the past. Go, we need to, you need to take some. You need to practice like all next week, just kind of randomly. Just Masai Yurigi, Jeremy Colleton. There you go. Um, hopefully, my point is, hopefully, I don't have to say the name all that uh, all that too frequently. Um, is there going to be a coaching change with the Blackhawks? Because 
I mean, we've been critical of him in the past and just kind of gotten used to him being at the helm here. Is that, let me, let me not say, let me not ask you, is it going to happen? Is it something that should happen? Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, from all um, signs from Danny Wirtz, he's on a couple interviews. Uh, I know he did one with Barstool. He did one with us. Um, he's pretty much given Stan Bowman the full vote of confidence. And if Stan Bowman has a full vote of confidence, then that likely means Jeremy Colleton does do because Stan likes Jeremy Colleton. I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, I don't, I'm on record as saying, I don't think Jeremy Colleton's a bad coach. I'm just not necessarily sure he's right for this team, this type of group. That said, it seems like we might be stuck with him for a while. I don't think he's the worst possible coach out there. I think he's kind of just a guy. Um, this could be a learning experience for him too, though. Uh, obviously when you're when you're the home team, I, I shouldn't say obviously, because it's not always obvious to everybody. When you're the home team, you have last chance at matchups. You get to pick matchups that you want. Like the, the away team has to send out their line first, and you get your chance. He's done a pretty bad job throughout this of playing the matchups, which is something Joel yeah. Quenville did very well. But a lot of that comes from learning experience, playoff experience in the regular season. Sometimes you roll four lines more to get everybody out there. The playoffs, you kind of have to pick your spots a little bit more, and he hasn't done a great job of that this can be a learning experience for him too i'm just trying to guess spin this positively because i do think he's Mm -hmm. gonna be back next year hopefully this is something he is a 34 year old head coach in the nhl uses as a a a little bit of a learning point a wake-up point he should be able to take some things from this and build on it because this should be a team looking at it that that has a very good chance of being back here next year um so he needs to use this as learning time too but I, i do think i would bet he's back next year that said Right before they fired John McDonough, the entire front office was given a vote of confidence, including John McDonough by Rocky Wirtz. So mm-hmm. don't put anything past uh, the Blackhawks' ownership and leadership. Um, but right now, I would say it's looking like both Bowman and Colleton are back next year, which I don't necessarily agree with, but that's that's the case. All right. Um, sort of some Blackhawks-adjacent news here. Dale Talon out in, uh, out in, out in Florida. Yeah, that's, that was... That's a thing, right? Interesting timing. Uh, his He wasn't fired. His contract was up, and they just kind of chose gotcha. not to renew him. Uh, it was interesting timing because they just brought in Joel, who, yeah. you know, he went there pretty much just because Dale was there. Um, they're like, you know, they're BFFs. They love hanging out together. They probably sat in the office and watched TV and drank beer after the games and stuff like that because what else is there to do in Sunrise, Florida? Um, I, weird move. I don't really – my guess is they'll either hire in some sort of – bring in some sort of puppet or let mm-hmm. just let Q run things, which wouldn't shock me if that was some yeah. sort of – I don't think he'd negotiate that last year because he was dealing with his, one of his good friends as his leader, but I wouldn't be surprised if now that Dale's gone, kind of went and said something along the lines of, I would like more control. Very interesting, but uh, we've now touched on the Florida Panthers uh, and their hockey franchise. I think that might be the first time, other than the hiring of Joel Quenville, that we've (laughs) talked that the that the words Florida Panthers have been mentioned on this podcast. So shout out! It very well could be. It very well could be. We're we're expanding our horizons here, and we do this. this We do this on a week when uh, college football, in many ways, has come to a stop. We do have to go negative here. Uh, We're trying to be positive about the Blackhawks and what we're seeing. We're obviously positive about the Bulls news here, but uh, we do have to touch upon cancellation of the Big Big Ten and Pac-12 fall football seasons. Uh, You have teams suggesting they... might want to secede from the uh, from the Big Ten, uh, and then Nebraska comes out and says, "No, no, 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 we're happy in the Big Ten. We just want to play a schedule." Iowa kind of dancing that same dance, 
it, it's unfortunate. You have players who want to play. The implications are far-reaching, far beyond uh, some mid-round draft pick. We're talking about businesses that make 95% of their profit because they're in college mm-hmm. towns, in 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 Happy Valley, in Lincoln, Nebraska. In, in I mean, there are places that rely on football season that are not going to see that profit. Well, Joe, even if even if some hurts for them, even if some places do have football this year, there's probably not going to be many fans in the stands, and those guys are still going to lose a ton of money. Yeah, but that was one of the issues here yeah. was just because you tell fans they can't be in the stands, try and tell that 100,000 people in Lincoln, Nebraska that, not they, to can't, go to Lincoln, that Nebraska. they can't be around Memorial Makes Stadium. Sense. Like That city comes alive, regardless of if you can be in the stadium or not. I was expecting that city to come, to, to come mm-hmm. alive, uh, just like every other one of those Big Ten cities would. It, it's just – it's difficult to – it's difficult for there not to be a set – marching order for not only collegiate athletics but for universities across the nation you're going to have you're going to have students on campus uh, michigan state just announced that you're going to have intramural sports yeah i don't uh, get during, that during the fall but you're not going to have a football season and i i i don't have to understand it because because it's very nuanced. What I do understand is the idea of liability. And none of these universities, none of these, I mean, call them corporations, call them what they are, want to have, forgive my crassness here, want to have blood on their hands. Mm-hmm. If a student athlete comes down with some sort of congenitive heart disease five years from now, and they can be, it can be traced back, God forbid, to COVID-19 and a positive test that they got while they were on the football team at insert Big Ten school here, that is a issue of liability on the university's standpoint. They, they took too long to figure it out. They took too long to say, we need to put this in place to protect ourselves yep. and our players. It got to a point where you couldn't put the toothpaste back in the tube, and the easiest thing to do was to say, no football this season. Well, it, it's like you said, it, it took too long. We thought baseball took too long to come up with a plan to come back. Baseball at least had one. Like there were, there was no, I don't think there was ever any college football plan to come back. I, I really do. I, I think you had conference commissioners waiting to hear from Mark Emmert and you had Mark Emmert just sitting on his hands. Then eventually conference commissioners, you know, school presidents and school presidents had to scramble and try and come up with something and again came to your conclusion. Yeah, there's no plan in place and we can't, risk that liability because I, I don't think you're going to get much insurance money from that either. What I'm about to say here, don't don't think that I'm coming to bat for the NCA or the decision makers or Mark Emmer because I would never do so, but we're getting into this sort of cut and paste uh, era of outrage, an era of questioning the decision makers. And when I say cut and paste, I mean, oh, uh, the NBA got it done. Why can't baseball figure it out? Uh, baseball's doing okay. Why mm-hmm. can't the NFL and NCA figure out? They are completely different situations. Well, well, well I would you're, you're say you're when I said about, that, I didn't mean like with I baseball, know. but ba- I meant baseball delayed and still. That's all I was. But my like point, my point in saying that is, my point in saying that is, you give the NCA two years to figure this out. There are so many teams, so many universities, so many student athletes, and so many issues that you still might not have gotten to a resolution that everyone's happy with and everyone feels safe that everyone feels represented by it's just it's a tough situation when you're dealing with so many different variables so many different parties like you are in the ncaa and the ncaa has done largely not to go political here they've done largely what our nation has done in letting the states govern themselves 
They're letting the Big Ten govern themselves. They're letting the Pac-12 govern themselves. That's why we might still have ACC and SEC football, because they're letting them govern themselves. Right, wrong, or otherwise, it's just too nuanced for a corporation like the NCAA to lead 250-plus schools into a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I think that they've said from their standpoint, let the schools, let the conferences do whatever they want, and then the conferences and schools are left with the decision of, do we want the liability on our hands? Because the NCAA has now passed off liability to us. Well, no, we don't, so let's pass off liability. Let's do away with liability by saying no football. And it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. And you hate it, and I hate it, and it's going to feel hollow this fall, but at the same time, I cannot be overly disappointed if I didn't see a resolution. I, I, I don't see a resolution. Maybe, yeah, you play football because the, the, the players on the field are low risk and they're all in great shape and they're all in good health, but to justify our entertainment with the possibility of the, and not to go grave here, but the death of a student athlete, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I, I, all I'm saying is I see... I see all sides to this, and I don't think anyone is right or wrong in the situation. It it stinks that we're not going to have Big Ten football. It stinks that we're not going to have the rivalries. It stinks that we're not going to get to see Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh go at it after they got into an argument on the conference call. It makes my blood boil. But is there a right way to do it? Is there a safe way to do it? Because of the way our country has dealt with things and where we're at right now in the face of this pandemic, I don't know that there is. Yeah, that's a fair point. Very well said. I don't have much to um, say to it. I, I just, I'm, I, I, you know, you you sit here and you see a lot of people pointing fingers at one another, saying, "Oh, you got the season canceled. You got this canceled. Media wants this to be canceled." No, it doesn't. It's our job security. It's the reason that we get to go to work and get paid uh, to talk about sports is because there's sports on the television. And a lot of people's jobs come into question now as well. Um, Think about all the people at the Big Ten Network. What's programming going to look like there? What's the balance sheet going to look like at the Big Ten Network right now? It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough, and people are going to lose jobs. That's likely going to be the case, and it's unfortunate. Would I like for there to be Big Ten football this year and all those people keep their jobs and then continue to do the fantastic job that they do at Big Ten Network and entertaining us throughout the fall and beyond? 100%. In no way am I rooting against a college football season. In no way am I rooting against fall sports. It's just a, it's just a situation that I don't think there's a solution to. I agree, and I don't think that you've said it many times. I don't think spring football is all that realistic of an op- of it's a not possibility. Happening. I do credit Jeff Brom for Purdue head coach for coming out and actually coming out, putting out an actual plan, like something concrete on paper to take a look at. That's that. I still don't think it's all that realistic. Um, but uh, yeah, because I, I think our because to play is, football, Matt, you need players. Yeah, and you're, you're not going to have your a lot pool of, of and your pool of players. It's going to shrink. Includes upperclassmen who are NFL bound and upperclassmen who are not NFL bound. Those upperclassmen who are not NFL bound and just want to play another season of football might play your spring season. But those guys aren't the best guys out there. Your Trevor Lawrence's, your top tier guys, your you know first 50 picks, those guys are all wiping their hands of college football and saying, I got to go make this check. I got to go continue my career. Mm-hmm. And the NFL draft is coming in April. I can't be at the draft and at practice later that day. You know, no, but just, I would happily watch a whole bunch of walk-ons play spring football. Just because I wouldn't. I'm a junkie. I wouldn't. Yeah, we, we, that's, we've always differed that way, though. And I love bad football with a passion. The not not the, not just the issue of bad football. 
walk-ons, yes, maybe those guys want to play because nothing to lose, n- nothing, nothing beyond college football for me mm-hmm. as a walk-on. But your underclassmen who are not going to be guaranteed another year your of eligibility. Your five-star sophomore who, yeah, it also – you, so you're telling worth, me you're going to use turnaround season worth it. You're going to use two years of eligibility in six months time and put your body in peril. Yeah, exactly. To play two seasons in six months time. It just it doesn't make sense because the NCA is not going to pay for a fifth year of school for a kid. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. The NCA is not going to grant that year of eligibility because it means more money out of their pocket. Spring football is a fallacy. Spring football is something that. You know what spring football is, Matt? Spring football is a continuation of everything the NCAA told us as we waited here. Just wait and see. Mm-hmm. Just wait and see. We're going to figure it out. There will be a solution. Hold on a little longer. Just wait. Okay, we got to cancel workouts. Okay, maybe we get you in here next week. All right, come on in. We'll test you. Oh, all right, we got to shut it down. It's a deference of decision making. That's all it is. It's someone saying, I don't have an answer right now. Uh, let's let let's get back to it in the spring and see if we have an answer then. Mm-hmm. Breaking news: no answer in the spring as well. It's just not happening. Well, heard it here first on the Moose and Runes podcast. We are breaking news now. Maybe there will be maybe no spring we, football. Maybe we get maybe we get Ivy League football in the spring and we really we really dig into some some Dartmouth football, I, some Princeton football. We, I'm, happens, I'm here we, for it. Can we pick an Ivy League team each if that happens? I'm I'm 45 minutes from Yale. Okay, I, so I mean, I'm a Harvard. No, I'm a Harvard guy. But if it, if, if oh, okay, so you're just it, claiming the two best teams in the Ivy League. Got it. That's it. That's it. I'm a Harvard guy, but you know, I gotta, I gotta go see some Yale football at the at the historic Yale Bowl, one of the great venues in college football. It doesn't get the credit it needs. But let's go fill the Yale Bowl this spring. I'll tell you football. what, Joe. If there's spring football in the Ivy League and they're allowing, we're going fans, to Harvard. I, yeah. I will, I will come down or come. I guess it's not down. It's up and over. Come up mm-hmm. and over to Stanford, Connecticut. We're going to make the drive to Yale. We're going to go to it, it. Hopefully, Harvard, Yale. If not, just a Yale game. I'm, I'm keeping you. I'm, I'm putting that please, stone, and I'm keeping you to your my, word. Please hold me to that. We're doing it. We're doing a Yale football weekend. Uh, all Moose and Runes listeners are welcome. I have a couch that sleeps at least two. I got a blow up mattress. We'll, we'll put the whole Moose I'll and Runes squad here. I'll take the we'll mattress. Put the whole, okay, we'll put the whole Moose and Runes squad in the apartment. Maybe get a little second apartment over here for the boys. Yeah, uh, cool. we'll do go, you guys we'll, have like? I know some condo complexes have like. Yeah, you can rent one out open. Like you can rent. rent. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, a Harvard Yale weekend is in the works here. You heard it here first in the Moose and Rins podcast. Um, and now I have something here, to look forward to. Here's to hoping that, and I don't want to completely contradict myself because I, I am rooting for football this fall in subcapacity mm-hmm. because because in no way am I assuming liability. Like I, I, I'm free yeah. of liability, and that's why it's easy to be a fan, okay? I, I don't know how it works. I don't know if they have players sign some sort of waiver beyond what they already signed to play football to put themselves in harm's way. But I hope we do have an ACC season. I hope we do have an SEC season because the nation needs it. We need it as fans. And from a selfish standpoint, I don't know what Saturdays will be like without it. Now, I did tweet out, I have entertained the idea already of NFL football on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And I'm 100% 100% here for it. I'm fine with but it. But that does Saturdays, make your sun, that makes your Sundays a little more a bit more not empty though because there's a lot there's going to be a lot less games on Sundays. Yeah. Saturdays uh, not really. I mean those windows will all be full. Uh, sure. NFL red zone I'm might just, not be what it is. I'm going to miss the the 8 o'clock college game day. I'm going to miss the 100%. You know, I'm, I'm going to miss the the overhead shot of Death Valley. I'm going to miss LSU, Alabama. I'm going to miss the Iron Bowl. All of it. It's going to it's going to stink if it's not there. And that's why I'm holding out hope here that 
we still get that SEC on CBS music uh, in some capacity. If they can figure out a way to do it safely, it will not only be a credit to the SEC, it will be a recruiting tool for them, and it will make them look like the superior conference in respect to a conference that decided we cannot assume liability. We have to shut this thing down because we can't figure so it out. The, if the, the SEC thir- can figure it out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to reflect very well on them. The SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are the three that are still, as of now, alive, correct? Yes. Big 12, I even think, put out like Big 12 put out a schedule the day. the day after the cancellations. They yeah. were like, oh, double down. Here's that's, that's what it looks nice. like that's Big nice 12 for schedule. you guys. Um, yeah, so it, it's uh, – it's still out there, the idea of college football. Now, now what this next week looks like and, and what we look like once we get through camp. It's just the the hypocrisy of it all and the thing that really shakes me is that you have – and I, I hate to keep going back to Nebraska, but I still have a good amount of Nebraska Twitter on my timeline. Of course you do. You got players practicing on the field while decision makers – are deeming it to be unsafe to play football this fall. Like, mm-hmm. wh- where is where where is the logic? Yeah, where I is think the disconnect here that I'm missing. Yeah, am I, I, I Michigan? Like Michigan, I know is still practicing. And did I hear like even though they're not allowed to like they're not having their season, like they're still allotted like a few like a certain amount of practice hours per week. Yeah. What? How? Well, so. Jim Harbaugh put out a big statement with a bunch of numbers about their testing, and they had had roughly 900 and something tests yeah. uh, with like eight of them coming back positive. Uh, those people have all been uh, – they were asymptomatic, and they're now back, and they're back on the field, this, that, and the other. And what it reflects is the – and again, not going political, but what it reflects is the – I'm trying to be tactful in the way I say this. You're the, very tactful. You're great with words. Well, it's it's reflecting. You can't. It's just I've like never this, heard this you struggle situ- with words this much. This the whole situation is is absolute, an absolute dumpster fire. And I'm not trying to devalue the 160 thousand American lives that have been lost to COVID nineteen, but the risk factor from a percentage basis to the athletes on field is so small and you are making a massive decision in regards to that minute number and I'm not saying it's right wrong or otherwise because we still don't understand this virus enough we still not can we still can't protect our society from this virus enough to be able to say let's go play football because the guys in the field are safe and again that's not an indictment of college football it's not even an indictment of the NCAA it's an indictment of where we're at with this virus as a country. And it stinks. And I think I lean towards Jim Harbaugh and saying, these guys are safe. They might even be safer here playing football than I they mean, are at Trevor, home. Trevor Lawrence said it. I mean, I, I know that the football programs, the basketball programs, these schools get preferential treatment. But Trevor Lawrence's tweets about... You know, if these guys aren't here where they have access to, you know, immediate health care, they have access to testing and, you know, daily testing, all that type of stuff, they're safer there than they are at home. You think they're getting tested every day at home? You think they're, they're just going to – if they're not in school, they're, I mean, they, they might be in school. Some of these scholarship guys might just not go to school for the semester. They're, some are going to be at home. You think they're not – they're safer there where they're probably going out. They're probably still doing things. They're not getting tested every day. I think like, like – Jim Harbaugh was saying they have a system, they have a they have a plan in place, and it clearly at Michigan has been working. 
So it speaks to the broader topic that this isn't an issue of of the safety of the players. It, it's an issue, issue of, of liability. It's an issue of liability and profitability. And if we can't get fans in the stands, mm-hmm. if we can't sell those seats, if we can't have boosters on campus, there's no business here for us to exploit. There's no money for us to make. And regardless of if we can put the players on the field and play safely, if we can't have the machine running around it, college football doesn't exist. Yeah. And I'll leave it at that. That, I, it's that. I think that was the larger point I was trying to get. To. I have something to lighten the mood a little bit, kind of funny. I was yeah. scrolling through Twitter. I, I have the, my tweet deck open on the on the, uh, the feed here on my computer, and Joe Cowley had a, had a string of tweets, the Bulls Sun-Times reporter. Let, let me read you two here. They're kind of funny. Give me a couple. Uh, the feeling the players had towards Jim Boylan did carry weight in the decision to fire the coach. Good to hear. But according to a Bulls source, Duh. there was behavior displayed by Boylan that was considered detrimental to the organization. <laughs> according, to the, according to the source, the Boylan file with human resources wasn't the greatest, including a verbal run-in with the team chef. Oh, you love that. What do you think he was arguing with the team chef about? I have some speculations. What do you What do you think? Uh, that the hot dogs were, weren't to his liking. He, See, was, I was, he just looks like a hot dog guy. I was going to say I think he ordered some eggs like over medium, and they came a little bit too runny, and that bothered okay. him. A little too much yolk. That ruined Jim's breakfast one morning in Charlotte. <laughs> Unfortunate. <laughs> oh, God. Well, here's to putting Jim Boylan behind us uh, and, and moving on to better days as Bulls fans, as college football fans, and hopefully we get college football, we get NBA basketball, we get fans back in the stands, and we get life as we know it back here uh, in, in in as soon as possible and as expedited as possible because I, I can't wait to go sit in a stadium and scream at an ump. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to go, you know, I can't wait to hear the Notre Dame band again. I can't wait for those moments. I can't wait to sing Bear Down after a touchdown. It, those are the things that we took for granted. Those are the things I look forward to, and um, and I think we'll be there. We just got to, you know, keep on keeping on and uh, and try and put our foot on this virus and, and move on from there. Should we move on to buy or sell? Speaking of moving I think, on, I think we should. I think yeah, we should. Great transition, Matt. Well done. Why don't you lead us off? Okay, I did have a basketball one, but I think I was going to ask there. about Damian Lillard and the, and the and the Blazers if they have the chance to make it interesting with the Lakers. But yeah, they might win a game or two. I don't think they do. Um, I have a better one. I, I know you're the UFC guy of this podcast, the resident UFC guy. I'm throwing this on you on the spot here, but we got a big UFC 252 this weekend, right? Uh-huh. Stipe Miocic, Daniel Stipe Cormier. And- Tell me about that. I'm basically, I ask you always when we have these big UFC events, should I, are you literally buying yes. or selling the, the event? Yes. No, I, no, I'm stealing it. But, um, uh, no, 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 I'm buying it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> but uh, if you're asking whether you should watch, whether you're buying into this card, yes. 100%. Um, I haven't really dug into the undercard. If you give me just two seconds. So here. I'm looking, I got it up. Uh, it's Sean O'Malley, Marlon Vera. Uh, Sean O'Malley is the future. They want him to be the next. Connor. He's twelve and zero. Like, okay, he's and twelve I see and he's 0. Got some interesting hair going. He's the on one, here. and he's the one who everyone's seen the highlight. His last, he's fought three times this year. Right? He was the one who had the walk off knockout where he just popped the guy in the mouth right, okay. and walked. It didn't even go down and finish him. Like he knew it was over. Um, he's got that. He's got that splash, that pizzazz to him where he's going to be a main event. Su- I mean, he's a co-main right now at twelve and zero. They're they're fast tracking the kid. And he's going to have a title fight here in the next year if he stays unscathed. I don't think Marlon Vera is going to put up much of a fight, so I think it's going to be another sugar show. Uh, his name's Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, so it's going to be another sugar show. You're going to see another awesome knockout, I think. So between that and the main event, I mean, you get Junior Dos Santos. Say, isn't and- Junior Dos Santos like 50? 
he's old. I mean, all all of these heavyweights are old. Stipe's old. DC's old. old. They're both legends. They're both. I mean, you could argue both of them being the greatest heavyweight of all time. Jarzinho Rosenstrike. That's the greatest name in the world. That's that's, that, that's a name of someone that's born to be locked in an octagon and fighting. <laughs> he's an up. He's an up and coming. Uh, an up and coming heavyweight as well. That will likely, if he if he keeps doing his thing, at some time make his way up to a title fight. Um, Herbert Burns is the guy that cut his face open, and you guys saw him all over social media when he had that nasty lip cut. Oh yeah, um, that was gross. But anytime you have two big time heavyweight uh, fights like you do between Dos Santos, Rosenstrike, Stipe, and DC, I'm here for it. You okay. know, those those shots land heavy, and I'm a little bit afraid because if you if you go back and not to go negative here, but if you go back and you look at early, not even early, like three years ago, if you look at Stipe interviews, he's a articulate dude from Cleveland, a firefighter who doesn't have a lisp. And I say that because I, he's been in some wars and I, I'm, I'm afraid what another war is going to do to both Stipe and DC. I mean, DC has a amazing broadcast career in front of him. You hear DC on every one of these yeah. UFC cards uh, breaking it down with Joe Rogan and John Anik. Like, that's the crew. Now DC takes off the shirt and tie and he gets in the octagon and that always scares me. And he is one of the greatest of all time. He is an amazing knockout artist and he has the submission to it too. He's Is this probably his last fight either way? It's they're saying it could be regardless of what happens here, both Stipe and DC's final fights. Interesting. Um, and you hear that all the time, and then then one of them comes back and fights and it's ugly and you just wanna see you don't want to see anyone go out on their shield. But that's likely going to be the case here on Saturday is that either Stipe or DC goes out on their shield. Um, and I don't say that in, in a fatal standpoint, but I say that in a metaphor, <laughs> metaphorical Jeez. standpoint of like someone's going to get their ass beat and it's going to be the end of their career. Fair um, enough. And, and I, I don't necessarily want to see that, but you got to sit, you got to watch, you got to be in tune. But I think that possible fight of the night there is, uh, is Sugar Sean O'Malley extending his, his – uh, his record to 13 and 0. So, All right, well, you, um, lots, you lots sold me for. on this, Joe. I'm going to yeah, buy it. Yeah, a lot to watch for. Um, it, tap itself. into it. Uh, between it. the co-main and the main event, uh, going to be great stuff at UFC 252. All right, what do you got for me? Uh, buy or sell, Matt. Uh, I know you heard, but uh, our fans, if anyone w- wasn't aware, uh, Cleveland Indians pitcher Zach Plesak, who oh, yeah. tossed a great game against the uh, – was, was it against the Cubs? Sox. It was against the Sox. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was against the Sox. Tossed up, I think, like six and two thirds. Mm-hmm. Really nice outing. Uh, he's from the Chicagoland area. Had to go out and celebrate with some of his friends, which was against team rules and against uh, Major League Baseball rules. Uh, Cleveland Indians told him, uh, go rent yourself a car and drive your ass back to Cleveland. Uh, buy or sell the treatment of someone who broke uh, a, a bit of protocol here in Zach Plesak. I love it. It's like when you like if you're going to act like a child, you're going to get treated like a child. If you're going to act, if you're going to act like an idiot, you're going to get treated like an idiot. He doesn't deserve to. Like it, I don't. I know you're home and all that stuff, but like, don't give in to that. Like that, mm-hmm. you're you're here for two months to do a job. You're getting paid a whole lot of money to do it. You had the chance to opt out. If you wanted to go out and hang out with friends, then opt out. I, 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 he absolutely <laughs> deserves it. He shouldn't be around the team because. I mean, if there by some chance he did come across somebody who contracted the virus, he could spread it, obviously. Um, it's like with the, the, I think it was the Marlins when they had to bus back to Miami from Philly. They weren't, they weren't allowed to fly. They were putting sleeper buses to Philly from Miami. So you guys want to 
you guys want to act like idiots, this you're going to get the idiot treatment. I buy it, and then it came out the other day that Mike Clevenger was out too, and then he tried to get away with it, and then somebody like, I think Zach Plesak must have said something about him being there. So now the Indians pretty much hate both of those guys. And it's, that's that's a big thing here. Is he, like, you, you there's the there's of, some locker room trust, trust your clubhouse. That's I think ball game. Who no was the, the whoever started after Mike Clevenger? I think it might have been Adam Plutko, whoever was the pitcher, and he was asked in the post game press conference. He's like, yeah, like there's some serious trust issues with those guys. Like they, they, he wasn't hiding it at all. He was very open and honest. Like yeah, there, there's some issues now. It wasn't so. like the Florida Marlins, or excuse me, Miami Marlins, who went out to the strip club as a team. No, is, Derek Jeter said they went out yeah, for yeah. a glass of milk. Uh-huh. Went out for warm milk or whatever the hell is. Hey, excuse sometimes me. when you can't go to sleep, he's never been a good liar. He's never been a good liar. That that cheats. Um, he, he just he's a man of uh, he's a man of just 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 straight straight down the line with the truth. And when you ask him to lie, just can't do it. Agreed. Um, but no, yeah, you lose you lose the trust of your clubhouse, and you're in trouble. I just hope that they didn't let him rent whatever he wanted. I hope that he like mid size, like bottom of the line, uh, like two like two cylinder smart car. They made him drive from Chicago to Cleveland. That's, that's my that. only hope here. That'd be awesome. You got another one? Uh, I do. Um, we've we've kind of covered this before, but I like poking this bear, poking this needle. Um, mm-hmm. Brett Favre the other day, I forgot where he said it. I think he was on a podcast, but he said he would love to see Aaron Rodgers finish his career in a Bears uniform. I know we've asked it, but buy or sell, Joe, you want to see Aaron Rodgers finish his career in, in a Bears uniform. It. You agree with Brett Favre. It. Super Bears, Super Bowls, put number 12 in the rafters. What do I care? Um, I've always loved watching him play football. I've always hated I, him because he's, he's a Packer. For but him to be here. For him to be a Chicago, he'd be the greatest quarterback that's ever put on a Bears jersey day one. Day one, wouldn't have to throw Easy. a pass. He'd be and an all-time and you're greatest talking quarterback. To a Cutler guy, like, and it, I, you're, and I'm, I am a Cutler guy talking to a Cutler guy Cutler about pod. the the best. It's a Cutler pod. He would day one. He'd be Is the he greatest the dream quarterback. Guest, by the way, Jay, I feel like Cutty. I feel yeah. like Jay's the dream. Of course, yeah. Um, okay, but no, I completely buy it. I, I would want it. Do I think it happens? Probably not. Um, what really? Would I be can't completely is, write it off though. But but you got to look at the you got to look at the, the you got to look at the messengers here and not just the message. Brett Favre, scorned by the Packers. Rodgers uh, was asked Aaron about it on the podcast, though. Aaron Rodgers, scorned by the Packers. Yeah. So two guys who have been scorned by the Packers. And look what Favre did. He went to their rivals. Come to, he went to one of the rivals. So bring Favre on as a quarterback coach. You bring Rodgers on as the quarterback. You make those two sit in a room together. That'd be the way to ruin it if you were the Bears. Yeah. Like You could just you, put those two in the room together again. Could you um, imagine Brett Favre as a quarterback? Like The guy said he didn't really read coverages that well. <laughs> <laughs> cover two, what the hell's cover two? Like, hey, just take the snap and throw the ball. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, but my point in saying that is you have two people who have been scorned by the franchise. Of course he's going to come out and say the most controversial thing he can say about the Packers and their quarterback. Bring him here. Just do it right now. Uh, Matt, I don't care what we're gonna go takes back for to, money. We're going to go back to the Bulls here with a uh, final buy, buy or sell. We don't know who the coach is. We have an idea of what the roster is going to look like. Buy or sell 50 wins for the Bulls next season. I can't buy that yet. Buy it. I, it. I would love to buy it. Buy you know I high. would. I'd love to buy it. There's, the free agent class isn't much all this year. They're, they still have some work to do in terms of personnel, you know, player personnel. Maybe they hit a home run in the first round with that seventh pick or whatever they end up getting. But, no, I, I don't think it's a 50-win season. I, I I don't think it's going to take 50 wins to get in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, though. You talking about a playoff team? I, I think they have a chance. I, I know I said last year I was going to be in a believe-it-when-I-see-it mode, but I think that was also contingent on as long as they had the same leadership they had. Um, 
I think this team can be a playoff team, which means what forty two and or forty one and forty one, forty forty two, something like that. I can see in the bottom of the East for sure. Yeah, I think that's. I think they're a, a bottom of the East type of team, mid you know, mid bottom. See, I just think that in order to um, in order to consider it a step forward in year one of whoever's era it is, um, you got to be above five hundred next year. You got to be a couple games above five hundred, and I think that a fifty win season would obviously obviously be amazing. But I mean, a bounce here, a bounce there, yeah. finishing a, finishing a ball game here, finishing a ball game there—that's the difference between forty-one and forty-one, and fifty and thirty-two. Maybe Anthony Davis just opts out, and the Bulls go sign him. Boom! Bring him home. Bring him home. We, uh, you, can you imagine the like the, the montages to that Diddy song? Oh man! Oh, oh, oh man! The going. And then you bring home D Rose too. I'm coming home again. Okay, so you, Do you think about me now and what's then? What's the lineup then? We got Derrick Rose at the one, Zach Levine at the two, Otto Porter would probably have to be gone. So oh, see, I thought three? you were going to go an all Chicago lineup. Oh, no. We're, we're still keeping like, Give me Pat, Pat Bev at the Pat two. Bev, you know, like, I'm talking about realistic, Joe. We, <laughs> this is, this is pretty Bev. realistic. Yeah. We got Derrick Rose at the one. We got, let's go, Col- we'll, go we'll go small. We'll go Kobe. Zach, Derek, Kobe, Zach as your one, two, three. You got Lowry mm-hmm. at the four, AD at the five. Let's go. Who can stop us? Nobody. Oh, you said when you said Lowry, I thought Kyle Lowry. It's, no, I, see, I'm a, I'm a Lowry guy rather than a Lowry. I guy. think it's Lowry, uh, but, but I'm a Lowry guy. Okay, Markina. Yeah, um, Matt, this Let's has been a blast it. of a podcast. I think we've touched on just about everything here. One more basketball question for you before okay. we say goodbye. Uh, I am the, our the resident playoff, basketball expert. I, I know we're talking about years in, uh, in advance here with the Bulls, but the playoffs are upon us here in the NBA. One play-in game to figure out between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Portland Trailblazers. That race for eight out west has just been amazing in the bubble. Um, snaps and claps for the Phoenix Suns here who went 8 no, Still doesn't get them in. Uh, but amazing stuff from Devin Booker. Just really fun to watch. Couldn't get that win from Brooklyn. Uh, Dame holds on. Gets the job done. I think so he might be my favorite player to watch in basketball. He's a blast. I mean, when he's so going, when he's on. It's Grizzlies Trailblazers for the right to play against the Lakers in the first round. Uh, the rest of the field is obviously set here. Matt, if I was to give you the city of L.A., so that's Clippers, Lakers, yeah. the field, what are you taking? I'd buy the city of L.A. Easy. I don't. Yeah? I, like, we talked about it earlier. I don't believe in – I like the Raptors a lot, but I think – if they come out of the East playing one Toronto's of those teams, scary. I, I, I do, but I just, I think the talent wins out from either one of those teams. I just think the top end talent usually figures out a way to win out in those types of series. Um, Milwaukee. Depth and shooting. Depth and shooting still worries me with LA. Fair enough. Or, excuse me with the Lakers. The yeah. Clippers, Clippers are built to win a championship. I just, if the, they can get on the same page, the Clippers are going to be a tough out. You look at Milwaukee, like it's, there's not a ton of depth and there's not a ton of shooting. I mean, that's what you said. Depth and shooting come playoff time is usually is what can win you series. That it just it's it seems like Giannis and everybody else. And I know they have the names like Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton can get hot from deep and all that. But like those aren't legit number twos. Like they don't have a legit number and two. It, it it's a roster full of guys, Giannis included, that have gone away come playoff time or at least come conference finals time yeah. in years past. So until you prove to me that you have championship caliber in the biggest moments, I have to hold out my judgment. Another thing that worries me here is what we saw the other night from Giannis. The headbutt? And and headbutting Mo Wagner. It shows, and you could say, oh, you know, he was, they were John, Mo said something, Mo said, whatever. 
It shows mental weakness that you cannot realize that we are playing the nobody Washington Wizards. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put my team in jeopardy by headbutting an opponent a week before the a week before the NBA playoffs begin. I thought that not that it would have made a difference, and that's why I thought the NBA should have given him a one in one. They should have given him two games and made him sit out the first game of the playoffs to say we can't have that here. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we can't have that here. You're going to be fine. You're going to make it out of this round without Giannis in the first game of the playoffs, but. It shows mental weakness by your team leader. Makes me question the Milwaukee Bucks even further. Yeah, I, I think uh, we're both pretty out on the Bucks right now. Out I on know the my Bucks. pick was originally the Celtics, but now I would have to switch it to the Raptors after seeing what we've seen from out of the um, East. Obviously, not to win yeah. it all. Yeah. Uh, so wait. Give, give, so give me your finals pick. Uh, sticking with the Clippers, and I'm going to go Raptors. Kawhi, Kawhi versus the Raptors. I, you're, I, I hate to I hate to agree with you here, but I think Clips wraps. If not Clips wraps, uh, Clips Celts. I think the Celtics, from a, a depth standpoint, are. are I do a have the, I just I seen very just whatever from them. I mean so Celtics. No, I, I don't think they're gonna have a huge problem with the Sixers in the first round, but that's a war right off the bat. Do you know um, who I am rooting for? It's not gonna happen. I mean, it'd take a lot to happen, but. I'm rooting really hard for Jimmy Butler and the Heat, I feel like. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I think the more we get young, talented from Jimmy Butler and more Jimmy Butler gets distanced from the place that he was quote-unquote problems at, you're starting to see that you know the places he was at seemed like more of the problem. I've, I've always liked Jimmy, yeah. but there was always the like, yeah, he's got a personality issue. He lo- like, Jimmy does love Jimmy, but he also works his ass off. Yeah. And it seems like everywhere he's been, he's had a problem because no one wanted to work hard. Like the, the Bulls, obviously, he had a problem because it was Fred Hoiberg, and they, they don't think Fred Hoiberg earned his respect, and he clearly didn't get along with the front office. You go to Jimmy's, Jimmy's you go to Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns didn't want to work; those guys didn't want to work, so he wanted out. You go to Philly; those guys obviously have had several off court issues, all that stuff. They're hurt all the time; they don't want to work. He wanted out. He finally seems like he's a place where he's happy. He got guys that we he's the alpha, and he's got guys that work around him. It's not it's not even just being the alpha; it's about leadership style. And Jimmy is the type of guy that is going to challenge you to be your best self. And a lot of guys don't respond to that. The group he had him around in Chicago didn't respond to that. The group he had him around, uh, group he had around him in Minnesota, most definitely did mm-hmm. not respond to that. The group he had him around in, with the Seventy Sixers, they just never really jived. Maybe some guys responded to it, but it just wasn't a team feel. Yeah. He's now got some young, hungry dogs around him in Miami that respond to that challenge. Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, um, like Kendrick Nunn. It's youth, and it's guys that want to be better, and it's guys that want an OG. To Say, you know, get your ass off the bench. Go run in a little extra. Get extra shots up after. You're going to be better. Come beat me in one on one. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a not to give Jimmy like the MJ treatment here, but it's the no, Michael but it's Jordan, it's that attitude. It's Michael, the Michael Jordan, Jordan attitude, of leadership, the Kobe Bryant attitude, and like, that's a lot. What it and is. not to not to He's point not fingers them, at millennials but. or young kids, but. Not a lot of people these days respond to that type of thing, but when you get a group that does, you're going to see success. Mm-hmm. That's that's why they're a they're a fun team to watch because they. They have that young talent, and they work. They, you can tell they work hard. They do the little things right. And they they just they want to be great, and they're not great, but they want to be. And it's fun to watch that pursuit of it. And we now, challenge if they you. can get another star, that would be a real interesting team. Huge, huge. Uh, AD, Miami's still a heat? destination. Miami's still a destination. Um, I don't know but, how much uh, money they have. I have no idea what their cap situation's like. Me neither, but I know there's no state tax, so That's uh, true. big time. No state tax, and if you've ever been to Miami, I could make a career there as well. 
And with that, we say thank I you can't for listening to this episode 165 of the Moose and Roots podcast. Uh, for Matt and Joe, thank you for you know bearing with us through the good, the bad, and the ugly here. It's been a roller coaster. Uh, we're hoping for college football. We're hoping for a good head coach. We're hoping for all good things for the city of Chicago, for college football fans everywhere. Uh, Matt, you got anything else for the people before we say goodbye? We, we might not have a college football season preview, but get excited. We got an NFL one coming up in, in a couple weeks here. We're going to have an NFL have- season preview coming up. I That's have, our favorite uh, episode of the year. I have to get into my fantasy prep here. I have to get into my preseason prep because it I has can promise helped. you we will not say the word fantasy on that pre- on that on that season preview show. I can't make that same promise. Uh, I for that, I say goodbye. Uh, for Matt, I'm Joe. Thank you for tuning in. As always, hit us in the mailbag. I mean, fall season is upon us here as we get to the tail end of summer. It's a little weird. Basketball's still going on. Send us your hoop questions. Send us your coaching questions. Send us your questions about food, this, that, and the other. We love the mailbag. Get in it. Ooh, we had, uh, you would you would find this interesting. In one of my group texts, there was an Oreo debate the other day. Okay. And there was, it was, it was basically the double stuff versus regular stuff. Obviously, I said double stuff, but I did have your back and say, Musso made me try the thins, and those are far and away the second best Oreo. They they have their place. They have their place in the. So I wanted to. Out. I wanted to credit you for that, but I also thought the thin, you know, anytime the Oreo thin is my, comes up, the thin is my favorite non-dunk Oreo. That's it. I agree. That's, That's it. We're leaving it at that. It's a great uh, way to Matt, end this pod. For Matt, I'm Joe. Thanks for listening to episode 165. Come back next week. We'll be on a normal schedule. Uh, hopefully, there is uh, some positive news to bring you here on the Moose and Moose podcast. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken <laughs> old steak was phenomenal. Ah!